Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Dell Wamsley here. The first thing you're going to have to learn is that until you stop expecting our politicians or anyone else to change your life, your life isn't going to change. The only person who can change your life is you, but you need to know how. Listen to my show, the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. Right here on KCAA, now broadcasting on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. The stations that leave no listener behind. KCAA Loma Linda. Listen online at www.kcaaradio.com. Bob Vila here with my home improvement tip of the day. Has a pint-sized major league prospect in your neighborhood recently hit a home run through your bedroom window? Here are some tips for fixing it. Once you have your gloves and goggles on, remove the broken shards by pulling them toward you. That way, if a shard breaks, the splinters will go the other way. Scrape and sand the frame of the sash where the new pane will fit. Then run a bead of latex caulk around the frame. That'll provide a good cushion for the glass and also help make the window weather tight. To help you position the glass, just grasp a short length of duct tape in the middle, forming a tab, then stick the tape onto the glass. That'll function as a temporary handle. Once you have the new pane in place, open your glazing compound, remove a lump with your putty knife, then roll it on a flat surface until it looks like a length of rope. Set it next to the edge of the glass and use the putty knife to smooth it out. Once you add a few more lengths of glazing compound around the window, you'll be done. Get more info at BobVila.com and right here at home with me, Bob Vila. K-C-A-A. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me
KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Brother Mike Calhoun. that are blind will see you clearly and one day all who deny will finally believe one day hearts made of stone will break in pieces and one day chains once unbroken will fall So we wait for that one day. Come quickly. We want to see your glory. Every knee falls down before thee. Every tongue offers you praise. 
It's good to be here this morning, and if you're visiting with us, I hope, I hope that you feel the love that, that I feel uh, every time that I'm here. Uh, I often hear uh, about visitors who come, and uh, maybe some relatives of, uh, of ours that, that come and, and worship with us, and they, they always make a, a comment, like, man, that, that sure is a loving place, that sure is a loving church, and I agree with them on that. Uh, I think Pruitt Baptist Church is one of the most loving churches that I've ever been to. And I, I pray that if you're visiting with us this morning, that that's what you feel. I pray that you feel that love. And I, I, pray, God, uh, I pray that God uh, will bless you this morning. Um, in the, to further the comments that Brother Terry was making, uh, whenever Van experienced a tornado, recovery had, had the, the major part of the recovery had pretty much ended in one year. After that, and, and here's what I mean. By the guidelines that the government sets forth in the Federal Emergency Management uh, Administration, we had met, Van had met all of the guidelines for recovery in one year. A half a million dollars had been donated just to uh, the Van Community Ministries for recovery. That's not including what was been, what's been given to the Red Cross um, and uh, Salvation Army and all that other stuff. A half a million had been donated. And, and within one year, it had all been dispersed. Um, and whenever we closed out the books, Federal Emergency Management Administration, FEMA, had contacted and wanted to know how did that happen? How was that possible? And um, it, it was only possible by this one thing, I believe. Whenever the tornado hit Van, 
Neighbors were not standing around on their porches waiting for help. They rolled up their sleeves and went. They went to work. People who had lost houses were helping other people. And um, in, in, the, in the week following, we, were, we had chainsaws and we were, we were trying, to, trying to, to, to help. And I met people from the East Coast and from the West Coast of the United States. From Canada, from all over. People had come and had responded to this little bitty town uh, that nobody had ever heard of, or a lot of people hadn't heard of before the tornado hit. And uh, so they were here. And I heard one of them comment, and I believe it was the one from uh, North or South Carolina. That's what this, this guy does, is he goes around. I'm sure he's in Houston right now. He said, there's one thing about this community that I've noticed that I've not ever noticed in any other community. I was like, what's that? He said, neighbors are not standing around waiting for help. They're helping each other. And he said, all the places I've been, I've never, ever witnessed that before. And I believe it was because of that. People helping people, seeing people as people, and getting to work help the recovery of Van. Now, I know that there's effects that's going to last a lot longer than a year. I know that. But there was a lot accomplished in a short amount of time because of the love that had been, uh, that had been spread apart, or spread, spread around here in Van. Um, and I was thinking about that as you said that. I pray that Houston, I pray that that's the same way. And I, here's another prayer that I pray. I pray that if, if it's laid on your heart to go, I, I pray that you go. They're going to need a lot of help um, down there. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, that's a, that's a big blessing to somebody who's in need when somebody shows up unsolicited to help. And that's what we're going to look, up, look at this morning. If someone who showed up unsolicited, I'm going to be in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Uh, and as you're turning there, I want to tell you, this, America's changing. America is, is, is changing, and it, it, I mean, it has from the very beginning. There's no doubt about that. But it, it's changing, and it's doing it like at breakneck speed. Uh, whenever you study culture, you start studying values, and if you study values of past cultures, you can, you can understand culture uh, to a greater degree. And, um, and, and if you study back into early history, American history, values, the values that America put forth were values that were found in the Bible. I mean, and it doesn't stand, uh, we don't have to wonder about that because America was founded on that. It was founded on, on a, a biblical belief. But it's not that way anymore. Um, which, which brings up the fact that we, America is going to need those who name the name of Jesus to stand up outside of church. The world desperately, desperately needs us in America Sure does. Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. Brother Mike preached on this a couple of, a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, and and I, originally, whenever he asked me to, to, to preach today, I was going to preach on something different um, in the last uh, later chapters of Matthew. But as I was praying and was praying and studying, God kept leading me to, uh, kept leading me to this scripture. Matthew chapter 5, it's about the demoniac. If I can ask you please to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, we'll read this, I'll let you be seated. If I get to the end of the scripture and I haven't let you be, be seated, I'll forget. <clears throat> Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country uh, of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that uh, he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains, and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, 
thou son of the Most High God. I adjure you by God that you torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there near unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they, and they that fed the swine uh, fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home, tell your friends and your family what great things the Lord hath done for you and hath had compassion on you. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. Jesus, I pray. Father God, that whatever the message is that you have to be delivered this morning, Father, that you deliver it. I pray, God, that you have the freedom to move. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll touch lives this morning. And I pray, Father God, that your Son, Jesus Christ, will be uplifted and glorified here this morning. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I know that was a rather lengthy passage. It's going to take even longer to get through it. Uh, I want to tell you, as I studied through this passage, I, I've had a lot of different um, events, a lot of different times in my, in my 11 years of ministry had, had come back to my mind, and I got to see at different people and, and at different places um, as I went through the scripture. Uh, and I want to go through it, kind of, and I don't have a three points and a poem thing this morning. I want to go from, from, the, from the top to the bottom, uh, and I want to expound to you what I, what I have found, what, what I have learned in chapter 5. And in verse 1 it said, They came over to the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters had been broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. I want you to, first of all, understand in verse 2, and immediately there met him out of the tombs a man. It was a man. This man was what we would call crazy. He was what we would call crazy. Um, he had an unclean spirit. He had his dwellings among the tombs. People had been trying to, to help him for quite a while. Um, in verse 5, it says, Always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. This guy was not right. We can gather that. As we read the scripture, as I have read the scripture, oftentimes... I see that Jesus gets out of the boat and immediately faces a demoniac. That's what I saw. A demon-possessed man. Jesus didn't see that. Jesus saw a man. Jesus saw a human being that was created in his image that had a problem. And I want to I I encourage you this morning that the way that we look at people is going to determine the way that we try to help that person. Jesus didn't look at a demoniac, a, a, a demon possessed. He didn't look at the demons. He looked at what the demons had possessed. It was the, a man. And Jesus had compassion on this man. He knew that he had to fight demons in order to help this guy. That was no surprise to him. But he still 
he saw a man. But when he saw Jesus ran, he worshipped him and cried with a loud and cried with a loud voice. This man that ran and, and, and fell on his knees before Jesus was a man who had been looking for help for a long, long time. We forget as we read the scriptures that what we read about oftentimes are human beings. Human beings that had feelings that, that just like you and I do. Human beings that had problems and faced problems and, and dealt with things, dealt with life just like you and I deal with life. This man did not choose to be possessed with, with demons. He didn't ask for this, but it happened. He had been bound so often with chains and handcuffs in the name of help. This man was the number one social problem in the area that they called the, the Decapolis. Uh, it was an area of ten cities. This man was the number one social issue that they had. Can you imagine as you go to the, to the market, as you go to the grocery store, as you went to church, as you did whatever it was that you do, can you imagine walking down the, the path the road, and you hear off in the background screams. Someone screaming and someone Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And you heard this constantly. He said it did. The, the scripture says that this man screamed out and cried out day and night. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine sitting out on your front porch in the cool of the day in the evening and what you hear is screams? Constantly being reminded that this man had an issue, constantly being reminded that he is the number one social issue of the day. This was a man who was suffering. And he was suffering from no fault of his own. And Jesus, whenever he comes up on the scene, he steps out of the boat, immediately locks eyes with this, with, with this man, and this man runs to his knees and worship him. Now, I want to tell you, I want to point out, it was not the demons that came and fell on their knees before Jesus. It was the man who saw hope for the first time in a long time. Scripture doesn't tell us how long this man had been possessed. But he had been possessed long enough. People had tried to help him by keeping him in bondage. It says by many, many times that he had been chained up and been handcuffed and he keeps breaking these things off. Um, so so in, in the course of somebody trying to help him, they, they tried to send him further into bondage. I want to tell you that a lot of times that we respond to people in need, we don't help very often. The things that we say and our actions show them things that automatically send them into deeper bondage. We need to see people as people and not people as problems. Jesus Christ saw this man as, as a man. He did not see him as a social problem. He didn't see him as a social issue. He saw him as a man. And this man locked eyes with Jesus as Jesus stepped out of the boat and he ran and he fell on his knees. Now whenever he fell on his knees, the, the, the demons take over. And I want you to understand that verse 8 happened before verse 7. For he said, and I'm going to go to verse 8 first. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And the spirit cried with a loud voice in verse 7 and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? Now, the most literal translation of that is the demon that told him, Jesus, mind your own business. What do I have to do with you? Mind your own business, uh, you son of God. He said, and then he tried to get Jesus to swear to him that he wasn't going to uh, judge him before the time. 
So this man who is on his knees before Jesus is not a demon. He's a man. Jesus told him to come out of the man, the unclean spirit. And the spirit responded to Jesus kind of rudely. And Jesus asked him, and he asked him this question. Why would the Son of God ask this man, or he's talking to the demon at this point, why would he ask him this question? And he asked him, what is your name? Do you think that the answer that, that, that the demon gives surprised Jesus? Do you think that the answer that the demon gave told Jesus something that he didn't already know? Then why would he ask the question? Why would he ask the question, what is your name? Jesus asked the question for the benefit of the man who was possessed. There was a lot of things that Jesus needed this man to understand, and he needed him to understand, first of all, that this is not your fault. What is your name? Jesus asked this question also for the benefit of those being around so that they would understand. And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now that's an awful lot. In the Roman army, a legion was 6,000 soldiers. 6,000. You think you're depressed. You think you have problems. This man had problems. 6,000. You see... It's easy to see someone that's living in tombs screaming and being a social issue when we have no idea what people are dealing with. We have no idea what people are dealing You see, I'm speaking, from a, I, I'm speaking to me. It's easier to judge people than it is to try to understand them. And we've done that an awful lot. People are not problems. They're people. People that, that may not dress like us, that may not talk like us. People who exhibit things that a different culture might exhibit because they are from a different culture. They are different from us, but they are people. They are human beings. And the answer is saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 12, says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So when we meet people that we think are problems, the people is not the problem. We're quick to judge people and to relegate them off to where dead people are buried, to try to get them out of our hair instead of trying to help. And if we understand that we're not dealing with flesh and blood, our struggle is not against another person. As we try to minister and we try to witness as we're called to do to people, we're not called to judge, we're called to, win to minister. And minister means to love. And whenever we do that, if we'll do that, understanding that that person that's standing in front of us is not the problem. It's spiritual wickedness. It's powers of darkness. And yes, it even happens here in America. I love missions. I love to read about missions. And oftentimes, even today, there are demonic things that happen on the mission field happen frequently, actually. And we think, or have a tendency to think, that because the last letter of Revelation was written and the Bible was complete, that demonic activity It still happens. It still happens today. And I dare say that it happens quite frequently around us and we don't see it for what it is 
we deal with spiritual wickedness in high places. And he besought him much, verse 10, that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirit went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that, that fed the swine fled and told it in the sea and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. <clears throat> Stop a minute and think. I want you to put yourself in the place, in this deserted place, desert. Not a lot of, not a lot of trees, not a lot of bushes growing. Um, they're, they're out there in this desert place. And you have these herdsmen that were herding pigs. And all of a sudden, the pigs, in a frenzy, take off running towards the water and drown themselves. I don't know if you've ever been put in a position of responsibility over somebody else's property and it get messed up. but these guys are in a bind. They're in a bind. They've been put in charge of feeding 2,000 swine, and the swine have run off into the sea, and they've drowned themselves. And the first thing they do is run back to the city and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus, and they saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. They weren't afraid of the man who, was, who had clothes on now, who was previously naked. They weren't afraid of the man who screamed day and night. They weren't afraid of the man that, 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 that now had clothes on and was in his right mind. That's not what they were afraid of. They were afraid of what happened to that man, which pointed to something greater than themselves. I have had the honor and the privilege of ministering to someone over a period of time and they finally come into faith in Jesus Christ. And the absolute change, the absolute miracle that takes place in their life where they're totally different. They look different. Their eyes are different. Their countenance is different. Why? Because Jesus Christ has done something in their life. And Jesus Christ had done the same thing in this man. He was totally different. Everybody in ten cities knew this man. Everybody in ten cities have heard this man. And they knew. And whenever they saw this man sitting at, beside Jesus, had clothes on, and everything was cool, they were scared. Because it pointed to something just a little bit bigger than them. And they came to Jesus, and they saw him that was possessed with the devil, and the lady sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. What kind of reaction would you expect? I would expect that the people who saw this would be really, really happy. I would expect that, somebody, that, the, that the group of people who saw what had been done to Jesus would make them ecstatic. I would think that they would take Jesus by the hand and lead them into their city. You did this for this guy? Come on, we've got some work to do. That's not the, the, the reaction that Jesus Christ witnessed. That's not what he experienced that day. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. They had the men who were there who witnessed exactly what happened. And they start to tell them exactly what happened. And in verse 17, And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. The very first thing that they do to Jesus after they see what, the, what had happened to this man is they ask him to leave. They ask him to leave. You know, witnessing... I said that, and that evoked a lot of emotion in, in some of us. Witnessing is a hard thing to do. 
it is a very uncomfortable thing to do. And because it is uncomfortable and because it is hard, we neglect that. The scary thing about that is, is that Jesus Christ himself commanded us to do that. Because it's hard, we decide to be disobedient. Jesus did not hang around at their request for him to leave. He didn't say, I have done something great in your country. Now, I need to seize on this moment and make sure that you catch the truth. Jesus didn't do that. He honored them at their request to leave. And here's something that I want us to understand as Christians, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ. We don't save people. But in America, in our success-driven society, we think that if we do get, the, the, get brave enough to, to share Jesus with somebody, we think that we have to save them. Or if we haven't, then we haven't done what we've been called to do. That is not true. That is not true. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, it says that Jesus said, You are the salt and the light. The salt savors. It brings about, it seasons things. It takes bland food and makes it better. Those of you who have been told by your doctor to cut out salt, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It makes things taste better. We are to be light. Light, have you ever walked electricity go out? That's a hard time. We're suffering whenever that happens. But you light your candle and you go in from room to room and as you enter into that room, that light does something to darkness. And that's exactly what a Christian needs to be doing every day of his life. Is bringing season to that which is bland and bringing light to that which is dark. That's what we do. And the Holy Spirit, whenever a Christian is being seasoned, is being salt and is being light, then the Holy Spirit has some good ground on which to work. God can do the work. I like this right here. They've asked him to leave, and the very first thing that Jesus did was get into his boat. And he honored their request. You see, whenever some people are, are, are faced with truth, they need time to process things, which goes against what, what we as Americans who are success-driven like to do. We want to try to get a decision from them right now. Look, I shared the gospel with you. Don't you want that? Well, I'm not sure. No, really, you want that. No, come on, let's be baptized. That's not the way we operate. That's not the way Jesus Christ operates. That's not the way God operates. He asked us to be salt and light into a world that needs salt and needs light. He will take care of the saving. Are we to be ready? We are. In 1 Peter chapter 3, in verse 15, he says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set God apart in your hearts. I want to tell you, if you want to step one to being an effective Christian. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Set God apart in your heart. Set him apart. Sanctify him. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, is the King James Version, with gentleness and precision. With gentleness and precision. The gentleness that Jesus Christ exhibited with this man. He loved him. And he set him free. An authentic Christian is not someone who tries to push their faith on somebody else. An authentic Christian 
is salt and light. And God can use that. Jesus got into his boat and he left. He departed out of that country. But, but, but as he was getting into the boat, here's something interesting that happened. And when he came into the boat, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. The man that Jesus set free, the man that, that, that Jesus cast the demons out of, he goes to the boat and says, Jesus, I want to go with you. How many of you can relate to that? I can relate to it, and I see it every year. I see it every year at camp. I see it every year at camp. These kids go to camp, and they meet Jesus. They have an experience with Jesus for the very first time, just like this guy did. And they cannot get over the change. They can't get over the feeling that peace and the joy that being present with Jesus Christ brings. And they want that, and they want to stay with that. Because of that, there's a lot of people who surrender to the ministry. They want to be with Jesus all the time. Now, if Jesus had been a good Baptist, he would have protected this man. He would have taken him, and he would have protected him, and he would have taught him everything that he needed to know before he ever let him out into the world. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, no. No, you can't. You can't go with me. You need to go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. A brand new Christian. Jesus sends out into the world. I want you to know that at the very first minute after you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you were prepared to go into the world. You had everything that you needed to be an effective witness. Should you learn, you should learn. Should you train, you should train. But whenever Jesus Christ saves you, you automatically have something to, at your disposal that you did not have before. And it was a testimony. This man had a story. And this man used his story for it to be effective. And it said in verse 20, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all the men did marvel. I want to ask you, how many of you guys have, have read this story before? And read Bible. Okay, we got one. We got one. Okay. <clears throat> Do you ever wonder what happened to him? Do you ever wonder whatever happened to this man that Jesus healed? I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 7. And I want to show you right quick. Mark 7. Jesus had left just like the people had wanted. But just because Jesus left the country didn't mean that God wasn't at work. This demoniac, this man that Jesus had healed, did exactly what he was asked to do. And because he did what Jesus asked him to do, the, sec the second miracle of the feeding of, uh, of thousands of people with very few loaves of bread and very few fish take place, on that, uh, take place on that coast. Take place right there in the exact same spot that, that Jesus cast these demons out. Did that man go and do what Jesus asked him to do? He did. And what was the result? Thousands of people met Jesus. The people who asked Jesus to leave were there to greet him whenever he come back. You see, whenever you're witnessing to somebody and you don't experience success, you wait. God is working. God is working. And God will accomplish in His time what He wants. But don't forget, those people that you witness to, don't forget. In verse 31, it says, And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, He came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of the, of the, of the Decapolis. And they brought unto Him one that was deaf and had impediment of speech. And they besought him to put his hand upon him. In verse 33, And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ear. Jesus, this compassion that Jesus has, wanted to deal with this man. And he wanted to do it in private that he wouldn't make a spectacle out of him. And that's why Jesus takes him to the side. And he puts his fingers in his ears and he spits on his hand and he touches his tongue. 
And looking up into heaven, he sighed. The compassion of Jesus. This was a deep sigh from inside. I have been present with a mom who has lost a kid. And the deep inner cries that comes out is heart-wrenching. But this is the type of sigh that Jesus had for this man. Jesus knew he could help him. Jesus had the power to help this guy. But it burdened Jesus. He sighed with this great sigh, and he said unto him, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string, um, and the string of his tongue was loose, and he spoke again and charged them that they should not tell any man. But they did. They went and told everybody. In chapter uh, 8 and verse 1, it says, In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and said unto him, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For divers of them came from afar. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And the second miracle of feeding, Jesus fed 4,000 people. 4,000 people who previously had asked Jesus to leave. Our job is not successful when we lead people to Jesus. Our job is successful when we show people Jesus. And we are a lot more effective at showing people Jesus when we're less judgmental on people. Even social issues. It said that this man had been in the tombs and he cut himself with rocks. Self-destruction. And these kids, these kids who are so easy to be judged and these kids who are so easy to be dismissed as being a pain are sitting at home in their bedrooms at night and they're cutting themselves. Exactly what went on 2,000 years ago is still going on today. Why do people do that? Oftentimes these people who, who do this have been so abused that they try to lock that abuse out of their mind. They try to separate themselves from it, and they become numb. And in the process of becoming numb, they become scared that they can't feel anything anymore. And the way that they see if they can still feel is to cut themselves and to burn themselves. And whenever they go to a place that they believe that they can find help, and they find judgment, Every bit of hope that they could ever hope for is taken away. Let's quit seeing people as problems and start seeing people as people. Father Jesus, thank you so much for the, what you taught us here. Thank you, God, for what you've taught me. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll help us to understand, God, that you're the one who does the saving but you've asked us to do the flavoring and you've asked us to do the shedding of the light. I pray, Father God, that you'll help us to have compassion on people the way that you have exhibited compassion. I pray, Lord God, that you will help us, Father, to be the types of witnesses that you've asked us to be, witnesses that will bring honor and glory and not shame. And Father, I confess to you that I've done that. I've brought shame because of the way that I've seen people. I pray, Lord, that you forgive me for that. And I pray, Father Jesus, that you'll use this church, Pruitt Baptist Church, Monday through Saturday, to shed salt and light into a world that desperately needs it. Help us to be prepared, God, to share the way of salvation. When someone asks us for that, help us, God, to do it accurately and with patience. And Father, use us through our authenticity to point people to you. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas. 
A podcast of the service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. Only winners listen to KCAA Loma Linda, the trifecta of Southern California radio, heard on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. The first generation that spent their adolescent years with smartphones, the so-called iGen generation, may be significantly underprepared for adulthood. All the things that teens do for the first time, kind of those milestones of adult independence. iGen teens do all of those things less than teens did just five years ago. Then, more and more bike riders risk death on the roads as bicyclist fatalities rise by double digits. Car drivers are often at fault, according to a safety expert. Bicyclists have a right to be on the road, whether that road is a rural or urban, or they're on the roadway or at an intersection. They have a right to be there. Those two stories and more are coming your way on this week's show. InfoTrack begins right after this. This fall, get ready for the adventure of a lifetime in the newest styles from Boot Barn. Go on a safari with bold, exotic prints and boots. Travel somewhere tropical in embroidered floral details. Or stay someplace cozy and familiar in traditional cowboy boots and plaids. And right now, save $20 on select boots and 20% on Cody James and Cheyenne jeans. This fall, your next destination-inspired look awaits you at Boot Barn. You wake up to birds chirping Before the alarm even starts to ring It's 6 a.m. and dawn's barely here A choir of birds singing in your ear It was cute at first, but now it's just the worst Wrap it up, guys! When your morning is hell, just go to Taco Bell When you've had a morning, let us make you breakfast Like Taco Bell's Breakfast Crunch Wrap A whole breakfast wrapped up and grilled to eat on the go At participating stores for a limited time during breakfast hours you know why we love the country music community? Their passion for hometowns. Because at Country Inns and Suites, at home is how we want every guest to feel. That's why we offer complimentary comforts, such as hot breakfast every morning, a Wi-Fi connection, and coffee around the clock. Plus, our spacious rooms are the perfect place to relax and unwind. Our home is always open to you and your family. Book your next day at countryinns.com. I want my own website, but I don't know where to start. Start at Pear. Pear offers hosting plans that are perfect for someone who's just starting out. But I'm not really tech savvy. Not to worry. Pear has WordPress hosting packages. What's WordPress? It's web software that even a beginner can use to create a beautiful website. So where do I start? Pear.com? Pear.com. As in, we make a perfect Pear. Pear Network's web hosting. Tell your friends. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Today's adolescents are connected to social media and smartphones, but an expert says it may be leaving them unprepared for adulthood. With the story, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Dr. Jean Twangy, professor of psychology at San Diego State University. She's the author of iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood, and What That Means for the Rest of Us. Dr. Twangy, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you. Your book contains just a ton of horrifying statistics for parents, and we can get into some of those in a moment. But first, who are you talking about when you refer to the iGen? iGen is those born roughly 1995 to 2012, so today's 5 to 22-year-olds. 
and especially the older iGen, what really has distinguished them is that they're the first generation to spend their entire adolescence with a smartphone. And I think the general gist is that these smartphones have completely overtaken their lives and are creating some serious long-term problems. Tell us about how you first started detecting those problems. I've been doing research on generations for about 25 years now, and especially the last decade or so, I've been using these really big, 